hey, look, they won. Don't worry about how. Don't worry about against whom. Don't worry about where. They won. Good morning to you. Good Monday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Penguins. It comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into football and or baseball. I also offer Daily Shots of Steelers and Pirates that I hope you'll check out. Penguins, four. Coyotes, one. And I did predict late last week on this very podcast that at some point on this two-game trip, really the remainder of the trip after the Winter Classic, that really kind of stands in its own category, that the Penguins were going to force themselves to find their inner defensive demons. And they did do that, and Mike Sullivan acknowledged it afterward. I think it's a it's a real important win for us. No matter how you get it, you know we're trying to uh, we're trying to get this thing back on the on the tracks and uh, playing the game with confidence that uh, that we know this team is capable of playing with. And so uh, I thought it was important to get the win for a lot of reasons. But but uh, you know most importantly, I think we need to feel good about what went on out there. And I and I thought we we played we played hard. We played the game the right way. I, I was most encouraged by the third period. Because I don't, I didn't think we gave him much, and uh, and I thought we were playing on our toes. So he liked what he saw, but he especially liked it in the third when the Penguins really clamped down on the Coyotes, stopped giving them these really weird odd man breaks or breakaways that were happening in the game, including a lot of shorthanded nonsense, and they won. And they won. You know, look, okay. If I'm being honest here, the rest of it wasn't all that attractive. But you did need to get even strength production or an even strength breakthrough of some kind from Jake Gensel. Jake wasn't really doing anything wrong, but Jake also wasn't producing points at all at even strength. And that made no sense. So Jake was all smiles and everything else afterward. It's kind of funny game like that. I can't watch it, I guess. So. Um, nice to get the first one. Great play by Sid, and then nice play by Sid and rest of the second one. So, and good for him because when Jake's going, a lot of things make more sense. Not least of which is that Sidney Crosby ends up getting more points, and the power play starts at least looking like it might become something again, even though it really didn't amount to much, despite a ton of time with the man advantage. Again, not ideal. None of this was ideal, except the outcome in the third period. But I'm going to take you back a couple months to the trip that the Penguins made through St. Paul, Winnipeg, and then Chicago that I felt at the time defined who they were going to be, who they needed to be, and who they ended up being for the better part of several weeks after that. And this game reminded me an awful lot of how they beat the Wild in St. Paul because that wasn't pretty either. The Wild did get a few goals that night, but the Penguins started to at least go through, I was going to say go through the motions, which always takes on a negative connotation, but work themselves into the positions that they're supposed to be in again 
before they get good at being there again. That's what this looked like to me. Oh, and by the way, guess what followed immediately? This portion of Daily Shot of Penguins is brought to you by the good people at the Greater Pittsburgh Community Food Bank, where they're committed to providing food for all of our neighbors in need across western Pennsylvania. They, in turn, need your help. Find out how $1 can be turned into five full meals. For those in need, visit pittsburghfoodbank.org. Yeah, so after St. Paul, they went into Winnipeg and had what I still believe was their best, most complete game of the season because I thought the Jets were flying high at the time and the Jets played really well that night up there. Penguins were just way better. Simple as that. And lo and behold, what do we have on the calendar this week? Two games at home. First one against the Canucks, second one Friday night against Winnipeg. The Canucks are another one of those loosey-goosey, inconsistent teams that occasionally give the Penguins trouble. they got some guys who can skate. They've got some younger players. They have trouble with a couple of them in particular. Same guys that everybody else has trouble with. The Elias Patterson, Brock Besser, JT Miller. And they're going to have to find a way. And... They're going to have to do it in a manner, I believe, and this is consistent with Sullivan's preachings from the past, that actually takes advantage of key players being out of the lineup versus utilizing them as an excuse. And what I mean by that is if you're missing Chris Letang and Jeff Petrie, Josh Archibald and Ryan Paling, and am I missing anybody? Oh, right. Tristan Chari then you know you're going to have to be at your best defensively. Look, Casey DeSmith, I thought was terrific last night in Tempe. Uh, aggressive, out at the top of his crease. Operated not just with a lot of confidence, but I thought with just a zero fear factor. And when he does get comfortable, and this is something that he's talked about in recent days, when he's in there more often... His confidence level does go up. Any goalie will tell you that. Not all of them will actually put that into practice. But DeSmith has, and he's done that so far with Jari out. Presuming Jari's going to be out for a, at least a little while longer, he's going to need to keep being that. But in the interim, if you're Sullivan, you're actually finding your own subtle way of underscoring to the rest of the team that, hey, we've really got to clamp down because we're missing these guys. Got to clamp down, clamp down, clamp down. And we got to be on the puck and we got to be smart with it. And it gets everyone back into good habits. My concern here isn't the veracity of the victory in Tempe any more than it's how legit the loss was in Las Vegas, or for that matter, the one in the Winter Classic. These are small sample size, short-term things. I'm way, way, way more worried that these guys will never move past Brian Dumoulin and Jeff Carter. And if they don't, my goodness, even just on the symbolic level, what are you doing? What are you doing? When we come back, J1Q.
J1Q comes from Joe in Nebraska who says, DK, how do you square talking about the team having a shameful level of comfort with not calling for changes to the top two lines? Not doing the second feeds into the first. Joe, I get what you're asking. I get why you're asking it. And I also get how any reasonable person could agree with your stance there. Here's why. And I was actually aware of it, like consciously aware of it as I was saying it. The reason that I'm okay with leaving the top two lines alone while also saying this team needs to be snapped out of it from a comfort perspective is that there's not a lot of mixing and matching you can do with the top two lines that's realistic. You can insert uh, Danton Heinen in there. Uh, they've done it with Jeff Carter. I'd definitely not be in favor of that with the way he's performing. And if you have someone who's new or popping a bunch of goals, you can even get a little bit radical and try somebody like that up there in the short term. But I, I'm also not trying to suggest things that are uh, change for change's sake. The most really that you can do with the top two lines is to occasionally flip Ricard Raquel and Brian Rust. And Sullivan's done that. He's done that. He's done it to no particularly good effect because when one or both lines isn't going it tends to be more of a general malaise that comes over the team. And my own solution, and it's not like I'm right because I say so or whatever, but my own solution would be to make sure that you have other lines that can pick up the energy, pick up the tempo, pick up the urgency and the focus of those top two lines when they're missing it. A guy who does that, who's already on the top two lines and does it relentlessly, is, well, you know exactly who I'm going to say. It's Jason Zucker. I mean, he's just got firebrand written all over him. I'm not saying that just because he scored a gorgeous goal last night in Tempe, which he really did. What a finish. Backhander? That high? From that angle? Wow. Anyway, he does that. He'll get in there, and as uh, Sullivan has talked about quite a bit this season, uh, there are occasions in which Zucker will drag us into the fight. That's the exact phrase he's used, and I love that. It's really, really amusing on a bunch of levels. But ultimately, in games, in tight games, in games like the Winter Classic where you need to make sure that you're not just keeping pace with the Bruins, but that you're outpacing them for the sake of protecting that lead, there's got to be a third and or fourth line that's making things happen for you. I'm not going to pretend that we live in a world where Valtteri Pustinen comes up from Wilkes-Barre. I could probably stop the sentence right there. But once he does, that he pops a couple of goals and then he just gets elevated at some point within two or three weeks and they're giving him a look on the second power play. You know, you know, no, no, that will not happen. But you also know that it's way more feasible to not only ask, but to expect that the Penguins will do the right thing by the third and fourth lines. 
hasn't happened yet. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everyone listening to Daily Shot of Penguins. Let's do another one tomorrow.